This is a teaching message from Church of the Living Water of Austin. Amen and amen. We have been teaching on this particular subject on how to press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God, which is in Christ Jesus. And we have been teaching on this particular subject for a few months now. And we have gone through all the objectives that God has given us and trying to reach you in the core of your life so that you can make adjustments in your life so that things can change in your life. You don't have to struggle as hard as you're struggling to be a success or to make a success when you get in the will of God. In the will of God will get you. I didn't say to make everything easy, but he said, I'll be with you. And when God is with you, you're going to win, no matter how it looks, no matter what is said, and no matter what is done. If God is with you, you will be winning. You won't have to try to think of a strategy and think of this to, to make it work. God will give you the creativity. God will give you what you need. He will give you things to do that you didn't even think of. And you'll be like, wow, I never thought that would work. Well, that's how God gets the glory. He'll tell you to do something that you thought wouldn't work, and it will work because of Him, and you can give Him the glory. Amen. But we have this particular scripture in Philippians, which is our foundational scripture, in Philippians chapter 3, we have been, it has been guiding us through this whole teaching. And so in Philippians chapter 3, beginning at verse 13, it reads, Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto those things which are before. I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Let us therefore, as many as be perfect or mature, be thus minded. And if it's anything ye be otherwise minded, God shall reveal even this unto you. So we are learning, and we have learned over these weeks, that continual progress that we are making can sometimes be difficult. Because we're trying to move forward, we're trying to go, we're trying to push through. And things and circumstances and situations just because of life just always happens up. And it can be a struggle and it can be hard, but you must continue to press through. And then I, the intent of this teaching is to us to grow and develop. And that's what I believe that we're doing as we learn and we grow in the Word. And then I'm, I'm not trying to go over all of the things that we've taught over the past weeks because that is for you to do. You have your part to do. You have to go over all the things we have taught because this is connecting knowledge. Amen? This is connecting knowledge. We said we went to 1 John chapter 1, and you can go there. Let's, let's just go there. Let me just, just go there. And we, was, we had began last week looking at how do I continue to press through when I miss God? How do I do that? Because all of us, everybody say all of us, all of us have missed God. Not a one of us in here can say, I have not missed God. All of us have. 
And I told you that I did extensive study on this trying to find out how is it that people miss God? Why is it that people miss God? And I could find nowhere in the scripture that everyone that missed God, it was because of sin. Sin will cause you to miss God. Then I told you that sin is any act that is against the will of God. Any act that is against the will of God, whether it be in thought, whether it be in word, or whether it be in deed. Any, anything, any act that is against the will of God is sin. So if I have the wrong thought in my head, and it's against the things of God, it is sin. I told you that sin means to error. Sin means to error. And I told you, you can err by omission and commission. Meaning, I can err or be in error by doing something that I shouldn't do, as well as doing something that I thought I wanted to do and I thought was right. It doesn't matter. If it's against the will of God, then it is sin. You might have something that God told you to do and you're not doing. That's sin. Are you following me? Omission or commission, it doesn't matter. It's still error. Are you following me? We sin, I told you, when we sin, we violate the law of God. We miss God when we disobey. God is always going to give you instructions. This morning, God will give you instructions. It's up to you. God's not going to make you do any of it. He'll just simply give you instructions. And then whatever you do with instructions is on you. He's just going to instruct you. Remember, the Holy Spirit is a perfect gentleman. He's not going to force anything on you. He's not going to do it. I'm not going to sit here and tell you, now, if you don't do what, you, what I'm telling you this morning, you're going to hell, I'm not going to tell you that. God's not going to tell you that. God's simply going to instruct you. And then what you do with that is what you do with it. And you will get consequences for whatever you do, whether good consequences, bad consequences. is what you do with instructions that delivers your consequences. Amen? But when we disobey, we are out of the will of God. Then we said... That sin means to leave the path, the path of righteousness. We don't want to leave the path of righteousness. And I'm just simply going over what we already taught. I'm not going to get in depth in it because I got in depth with it last week. I'm just hitting on those things because I have new information for you. I told you that sin, as we more commonly know it, is an act of evil. And we think of everything that we can to think that sin. But let me tell you, it's the little foxes that spoil the vine. And that's what God is dealing with us about. To get away from the big sins that we just say, oh, we know this is a sin, we know that's a sin, we know fornicating, we know adultery, we know lot killing, we know the big things. But it's the small things that seem to trap us. So we want to just put the big things aside that we call big gross sins and we want to look at the little things that we do just by omission or commission, just, just God telling me to do something and I'm going I'm to do my own thing. That is sin. And I don't care where you go and I don't care what you do. 
If you're in sin, you're out of the will of God. You can go to church every Sunday and be out of the will of God. You're not pacifying God coming here. You're not giving God anything by coming here. Everything, when you get here, God is given to you. Ah, that offering, who is the power, who's the one to give you power to have health to gain money? Because if you were sick and on your deathbed, you couldn't even gain the money. Who do you think give you the health to gain the money? Money is not that important to God. It's important to us. But God is saying, no, I want you to get outside of all those, those things and understand what I have for you. Money, success, all of that is a byproduct of being in the will of God. He said, first seek ye the kingdom of God and all his righteousness. And these things, what are things? Jobs, money, cars, houses. He said, they'll be added to you. That's just to add to life after you seek my kingdom. Very important. Amen. And then I told you when we miss God and, we, and when we err and, have, and go into violation of the will of God when we leave the path of God, of the path of righteousness, which is the path of God. When we disobey, we leave that path. It is, it, it, we are involved with the act of evil, whether we know it or not. And when we're there, it's, it's very hard for us to press forward from that, from that point on. It's very hard for us to move forward because we're all in this. We're out of the will of God. We want, and people can give you the answer, but notice, I don't care what answer they give you, you can never seem to walk that out. It's because sin. Sin never never will let you walk out the things of God. you got to come away from that. Amen? And regardless of how you sin, regardless of why you sin, you know, sometimes you might feel you have a good reason for sinning, but it don't wash with God. It might wash with people, and I gave you an example. Oh, well, I moved in with my girlfriend because, you know, she needed to help with the rent. It doesn't wash with God. None of that washed with God. Now, it might wash with people and it might make you feel good at the time. But who are you trying to please? you got to please God. Because at the end of the day, you don't know at the end of the day, this very day, if you're going to even be alive. You don't know if when, we, when this service is over that you're going to drop dead right where you are. And are you ready to meet the Master? You don't know two minutes from now. None of us do. You know, have you ever had someone pass away and you'd be like, I just saw them. Because tomorrow is not promised. That's why you live your life every day as if it is your last day. Because it is not promised. There's nowhere in the scripture where it says tomorrow is promised to you. It's not. So what do I do? Then I purpose to walk in everything that God has taught me to walk in. I learn to walk that way. And if I happen to fall, I get back up and I'm saying, I'm going to walk this. All of us have missed it. If you miss it, don't pile it up on top of each other. Say, oh, I just can't do that. We can't do that. We got to do. No, don't let it pile up. Stop and say, you know what? I missed it, but I'm going to get back on it. Because I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do this. Amen? 
Uh, we talked about that at depth, and we're going to move on. And then I told you that one of the things that you need to understand about grace, that, that because we li- we're in the dispensation of grace right now. That's why you're still alive. That's why even in sin, God's grace cover you. You know, we always sing that song, Amazing Grace, and we don't understand what it really means. It's amazing because it keeps me. Even when I'm wrong, how amazing is His grace to keep me. I think about when I was out there and just in the world and everything, and how amazing God's grace was. I was thinking about the other day, just in studying, I was thinking about when me and my girlfriend, I think we was about maybe 17, maybe 16 or 17, I don't know. But anyway, we was in a car with a bunch of other friends, and it was about, I guess, five or six of us in the car. And I'll never forget this. And and every time I talk to my friend that lives in Dallas, and she said, you remember that? I said, it was God's grace. And we was all, and this person that was driving, I, I can't even remember who was driving. They were driving fast, and we were just la- See, when you're young and silly, you think that's cute. And we laughing and screaming and having fun and, oh, this is so fun. And they were just bearing down on that. And a car was coming straight to us. And we were still just hollering and having fun. And I don't know how we got out of that. But now I do. It was His grace. Well, He had a purpose for my life. Everybody else was getting in on the, getting in on the goodness. Because I don't know where, where they are and what they're doing. But, and I remember that. I said, girl, we could have been killed then. We were so silly and young. But see, that's what young people do. Young people are silly. Now see, I didn't call no names. Because I was once young. So let me just say I was silly. Would that make you feel better? Silly. That's just because we got young minds. We think we're going to live forever. Nothing's going to happen to us. We're just having fun. You know, and you start getting old real quick. And you really start getting old after you get children. Have you noticed? That changes your life forever. And then we have to understand that the Holy Spirit, that we have the Holy Spirit that's there to help us. God didn't require you to try to stand on this alone. He said, you can't. So I'm going to give you the Holy Spirit on the inside to help you, to remind you. And you have to understand what the Holy Spirit is capable of doing. He's there to remind you, to help you in all of your weakness. Exchange your weakness for His strength. Say, you know what, God, this is too much. I can't do it. That's what the Holy Spirit is for. He is a helper. He's a director. He's going to guide you. He's going to show you where to go, where not to go. He's a reminder. He's there to help us not to violate the will of God. He empowers us not to disobey. He gives you the strength to stand on truth, even when it seems like it's more convenient to do the opposite. It always seems like it's more convenient to do that which is against the will of God. Amen? So we have grace. And I like what Paul said. Paul said, when I am weak, his grace is made strong inside of me. And I'm telling you, that's what kept me from September 1st, 2018, when Pastor Hill passed away. It was his grace and his mercy that kept me and brought me up and brought me out of the miry. I mean, I was down. And he picked me up and it was the grace and grace was covering me. 
in the midst. See, it, it, it doesn't mean grace is going to stop the hurt or prevent a hurt, but it'll keep you while you're hurting, and it'll begin to heal you if you let that amazing grace just saturate you. But you got to allow that too. You got to allow God to heal you. And that's what I wanted. Amen. Are you in 1 John chapter 1? We're going to read this right quick. Beginning in verse 5 it says, This then is the message which we have heard of him and declare unto you that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. If you say that you have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, you lie. I'm just changing the we. I'm just going to make it personal there. And do not the truth. But if you walk in the light, walk in him, and he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another, and the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. But now if you say that you have no sin, you deceive yourself, and the truth is not in you. So you can't just say, well, no, I know I'm not, I, I don't have sin. No, we've all sinned. Practicing sin is different from falling every now and then, and you get back up and you learn some things and you don't. Well, we're going to find we're going to find one person in the Bible this morning that every time he got delivered from one sin is never repeated, never repeated. Amen. And so we can't say we're, the Bible teaches us that we can't say that we're in habitual sin or practicing sin and say we know God. He said, no, you don't know me. Because you can't practice sin. When I was a sinner, I practiced sin. All of us practice sin. But remember, he's the light, and in him there's no darkness at all. Now, listen... I like where it says he won't only forgive us, but he'll cleanse us. That means he'll forgive you from sinning and then cleanse whatever that is was inside of you that made you commit the sin. See, some of us don't want to be cleansed from that. I like that sin. Yeah, but you, you need a cleansing. Then it won't be so much fun anymore because, it, because you're clean. You'd be like, uh-uh. It's just like taking a bath. You know, you might be dirty for a while, but you, you know, and once you take a bath, you'd be like, woo, give me some socks. Give me something to put on. Put, you know, because why? I don't want to, I don't want to get back dirty. I don't want to, woo, I don't want to go outside. I don't want to smell like outdoors anymore. Why? Because now I'm cleansed. Well, so it is when God cleanses you. You, you. you won't want to get back in the dirt, even though it's there. Amen. And then I told you to go to Psalms 51. Go there. I'm still reviewing, and I'm trying to get... Oh, I got time to... I'm doing... I'm good. Psalms... What did I say? Psalms 51. And... I think this is just about where we left off, so I might say a little bit more of what we do, but we're going to get into the new information. When we press toward the mark, letter A, I must repent. I must repent. Repent simply means to turn around. That's what repent means. I have to turn around. It means to have a change of heart and mind. To repent also means I have regret and remorse. I'll say it again. When I repent, 
It means that I have changed, I have a change of heart and a change of mind. To, to repent also means I have regret for what I've done and remorse for what I've done. It means to turn around. It means I was headed one way. And when I repented, I stopped going in that direction. I turned around. That means I'm sinning, and all of a sudden I repented before God. I stop, and I turn around. I'm no longer going in that direction. See, some people, they want to repent. And they want to do that 360 thing and, and land right back where they are and continue to walk. But you can't do that. you got to stop and turn. You know to stop, drop, and roll? Well, you just stop and turn. You stop and you turn. Why? Because I repented. It also means a change of heart and a change of mind. So when I repent, I'm changing my heart. And my mind from whatever caused me to do whatever I did. Whatever caused me to do whatever I did, I now have a change of heart and mind. Whether it, it, it you know, it took you to a place that you, where you shouldn't have been. And you miss God. But now I have a change of heart and a change of mind. So I have to allow myself to see that He is the light. See, you have to see that. He is the light. Jesus is the light. After I have to allow myself to see this is the light of truth. Because why? It is, He is the light. What did we say last week? Whenever there's darkness and you cut on the light, your eyes hurt, everything hurts. Yes, because the light has come in. So if I'm walking in darkness, once I've repented, all of a sudden everything's going to be like, ugh. Ooh, because light is going to start coming in. Bright light. Because there's no dull light in God. And the bright light is going to come in. To repent, I also said, means to have regret and remorse. See, you have to have regret and remorse about what you've done. You've got to feel bad. When I say regret and remorse, I mean that you ought to feel like, you know what, if I have a chance, I wouldn't do this again. See, I regret that I did this. I would not do this again. That's regret. To have remorse means to just feel bad. Have you ever just felt bad about something? That's remorse. Like, oh gosh. You know, you feel brokenhearted. You feel down about it. About whatever you've done. All of us have been there like, oh, I could have did better than that. That wasn't right. And I believe in Psalms 51 that we're about to read is the greatest passage of Scripture in the, in the Bible when it comes to repentance. Because if we could watch this repentance here, then we, whenever you're struggling... And you're doing something out of the will of God. And you young people, you really listen too. Whenever you're struggling and you're all about not the will of God, this is where you need to go. Psalms 151. And see, how do I really repent? How does this really work out for me? This will always, always, I said always, encourage you. Now let me give you a little backdrop and we're going to read it so you can be encouraged. 
This is the Psalms, and it's written by David. David, you know, and this is where David was requesting forgiveness from God after he sinned with Bathsheba. And for those of you that do not know who David was, David was the king of Israel. And he saw a woman that was married, and he desired to have that woman. He called that woman to his castle. The king can do that. Slept with her. David, the king. Yeah, yeah, you know, everybody's heard about King David, the man. The man that's after God's own heart. David calls the married woman to the castle. Had sex with her. Got her pregnant. Killed her husband to hide it. Yes, that's the same man that God said, David, to a man after my own heart. And so, in all of this that's happening, this is what David, David was so remorseful and so hurt, he wrote this, asking for forgiveness from God. So we, you know, we, in our country, in our society, you know, somebody gets somebody pregnant, oh, we think that's a... David not only got a pregnant... He killed somebody. And guess where David is? In heaven. Because he knew how to repent. See, people won't let you repent. They always hold something over you. They're always going to say, oh, really? No, I don't believe you like that. I don't, it don't matter. You know why? Because you're not repenting to them. You've got to let it go and say, this is between me and God and God alone. Because people, people are not as forgiving as God. If anybody ever asks you, if you're ever in a predicament and one day you might be in there say, do you want my judgment or do you want God's judgment? Always want God's judgment. You know why? Because God has mercy. People don't. People say, huh, <laughs> I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to throw the book at you. Ah, no, I ain't giving you, I'm going to remember this to the day you die. And Jesus said, I'll not only forgive you, I'll cleanse you, and whatever you did, I'm going to throw it in the sea of forgetfulness. I don't even know it anymore. Don't bring it up to me anymore because I threw it in the sea of forgetfulness. So you always want God to judge you, not man. And especially not American men and women. I, I love my country, but let me tell you, we're the worst. We will judge each other for anything, and we won't let it go. Oh, no, I'm going to look at you down all your life because of what you did. No. Oh, I just can't. I don't know. Every time I look at them, I think about they were once a lesbian. Okay, you was once a fornicator and adulterer, so what? You, you, you know, we always have the nerve of looking down on somebody that have missed it like we never have. But whether it's fornicating, adultery, or whether it's homosexuality, lesbianism, whatever, to God it's all the same. But, but men and women are not going to judge you like that. And I'm not condoning any of it because you're going to have to stand before God. 
on, uh, you know, there is going to be a white throne room judgment and the judgment seat of Christ. And you're going there. Every one of us are going there. One day, you're going to have to stand. One, let me tell you, so just in case you don't know, when you die on this side, your body dies, but you are alive. Because that's eternal death and eternal life. You don't die and it's over. You just die like a dog and that's it. Once I'm dead, I'm going, no, no. Oh, you don't have the easy way out like that. They'll be, they'll be screaming and gnashing of teeth. You will want to die, but can't. That's eternal death. Hell. You want to chance that? You don't die. Your body dies here. That's not you in the casket. That's all. It has to go back to the dust. That's where it came from. But the real you, the one looking out through your eyes, the spirit man, he never dies. He either going to eternal life or eternal death. And you don't want to go into the lake of fire. That means I stay there for the rest of my life alive burning forever. I don't believe God will do anything like that. I don't believe He will either. That's why He gives you a choice not to go. <laughs> and people always say, well, not a loving God. He wouldn't do it. He's not doing it. He's like, no, I'm giving you heaven laid out on a platter. And I'm telling you the way to get there. But, it, you know, like all navigation systems, we try to tell it what to do. See, I, let me tell you, I'm the worst. I tell the navigation system, no, why would I go that way? See, well, why you cut the navigation system on if you didn't want it to tell, show you where to go? All of us have done it. No, I know. I know, I know where that street is. I'm going straight. And then what is the, what is the navigation system? Then? We have to recalculate you because your tail won't listen. Just, just so you know. Because, see, a lot of times people think, well, I don't know what's after that. Let me tell you. And then people say, well, well what if that's not true about what's going to happen when you die? Okay. And I do all this good and everything. Well, you just lived a good life. But what if it is true? And you messed around and died. <laughs> there will be no... Um, that's it. No. Some people are right now screaming and hollering in the lake of fire, and there is no easing up. And God is a good God, because everybody in the lake of fire have been warned like you are this morning. Everybody that's there in, 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 in heaven, they were warned and they made the adjustments. Because one thing's for sure, what did we say? Look at the person next to you. Look at them. They are going to die on this side. I know we think we have it, but they are going to die. Everybody you see in here will be gone one day. Some, one day somebody's going to say, remember, Pastor Hill said that? She's gone now. Because every nobody gets a freebie and going to stay here all day. That, that's a movie. And that's scripted. Everybody here, even our children in the back, everybody is going to die. And the choice where you go is yours. 
God said it plainly. He said, I said before you, life and death, blessings and cursing. He said, but you choose. And then he comes back and says, but choose life so that you and your seeds, your children, they all can live. I'm telling you what to, I'm, I'm, I'm telling you that's what you should do, but I won't make it. The choice is yours. I don't know why I'm talking about that, but God is faithful. So he slept with Bathsheba. He got her pregnant, killed her husband to try to cover it up. And finally, God sends a man named Nathan to go and address King David. And, you know, God will always do that. So Nathan came and exposed what David had done. And this is David here crying out after he was exposed. Are you in Psalms 51? And we're going to read the whole thing. And I want, you to, I want you to get into it. I want you to meditate. This is when you want forgiveness for God. Always go to Psalms 51. This is David speaking to God. After all that he's done. He said, have mercy upon me, O God, according to thy loving kindness. According to the multitude of thy tender mercies. Blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from mine iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. For I acknowledge my transgression and my sin is before me. That's called remorse and regret. I acknowledge what I did. I'm, not, I'm, I'm acknowledging everything that I did. Verse 4. Against thee and thee only have I sinned and done this evil in thy sight. That thou mightest be justified when thou speakest, and be clear when thou judgest. Behold, God, I was shapen in iniquity, and in sin did my mother conceive me. Meaning I was born with the inclination, I was just inclination to sin. Born into it. All of us were born into sin. Verse 6. Behold, thou desirest the truth in my inward parts. And in the hidden parts, thou shalt make me to know wisdom. That's on the inside. He said, purge me with a hyssop, and I shall be clean. Wash me, and I shall be whiter than snow. See, this is, this is David praying to God. Make me to hear joy and gladness, that the bones which thou hast broken may rejoice. Hide thy face from my sins, and blot out all my transgressions. Create in me, God, a clean heart, O God. And a renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from thy presence and take not thy Holy Spirit from me. Restore unto me the joy of thy salvation and uphold me with thy free spirit. Then will I teach transgressors your ways and sinners shall be converted unto thee. I'm going to do what I'm supposed to do. Deliver me from blood guiltiness, O God. Thou God of my salvation, and my tongue shall sing aloud of thy righteousness. O Lord, open thy my lips, and my mouth shall show forth thy praise. For thou desireth not sacrifice, else would I give it. God said, I don't want you to sacrifice him, because uh, he said, if you, you don't desire that. Because if it was, i try to sacrifice everything I have. He said, I would give it. Thou delightest not in burnt offerings. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and a contrite heart. O God, thou wilt not despise. Do good in thy good pleasure 
unto Zion. Build thou the walls of Jerusalem. Then shall thou be pleased with the sacrifices of righteousness with burnt offerings and whole burnt offerings when thou shalt offer bullocks upon thine altar. This is a man that is repenting. That is why this very scripture is the scripture why God can say, David, you are a man after my own heart. Because he was calling on God with everything that was within him. He said, God, I'm done. God, just forgive me. Cleanse me. Create in me a cleaner. I want to think different. I was born into this sin, and I know it. I know it, and I want to do something different. David, one thing he understood. He understood that there was something wrong on the inside. He said, in my inward parts. That's where it's all starting. In my inward parts. God, help me with my inward parts. That man knew something's wrong on the inside of me. And he knew that he had to repent. He knew that he had to make a distinct change in his life. And listen, if you're struggling with something, and all of us have our struggles, Psalm 51 is a wonderful everyday chapter that will just remind you that, God, I want my joy, my salvation back, especially if you've wronged God. I want it. I want the Lord back. Now remember, now we see where David did these things, but remember, we're not talking about the big things. In thought, in deeds, God, I've been thinking all wrong. God, I'm just all, mm -mm, mm -mm. don't settle that. Say, no, God, I've been wrong in even my thoughts. If you want your relationship back with God, you need to tell God, God, I want to be restored. I need to be restored. From the things that I've done with my own hands, with my own life, with my own actions, I did this to me myself. And there's three things I want to highlight I want to highlight before I go on and move forward. To move forward, write it down, letter A, I have to ask for forgiveness. You have got to ask for See, you can't just jump on the wagon and say, I'm going to start doing right. No, the first thing you do is ask for forgiveness. I have to ask for forgiveness. Now, here's the thing. I have to ask, listen, God for forgiveness. You know, sometimes as believers, and this is the thing, and it's, it's, it's really very prevalent with believers. Sometimes as believers, we forget the very basic tenets of Christianity. Just the basics. You know, we get so much and so many things from so many people teaching so many ways, and we forget just the basic tenets of Christianity. And especially when we're out of the will of God. Listen to me. 
And that basic tenet that we seem to forget, because it might be a situation, we, we, we did an example of David, but it might be a situation with another person. That you all, y'all done had it, you know, y'all done, you know, y'all done had all of your whatever you've had. And the first thing that we have to, we think we have to do is go and ask that person for forgiveness. That's wrong. We forget the very first part. What did David say? Against you and you only have I sinned. With what he did with Bathsheba. Well, what he did by killing a man. He didn't say, well, I, you know, I, I really wronged Bathsheba. I killed her husband. I did. He said, no, I have sinned against you and you alone. We forget that as believers. Soon as we get in any type of situation with people or whatever, I'm going to just go and I'm going you know, to do what God said. I'm going to ask for forgiveness. But have you asked God to forgive you? It ain't no sense in trying to ask somebody else for forgiveness if you haven't first asked God to forgive you. Because all of that is just talk. Because you know, have you noticed when you ask them for forgiveness, it's still something in the back of your head saying, mm, mm, mm. I did my part. Yeah, because see, you first you didn't ask God to forgive you. That's, that's basic. That's Christianity 101. My first thing, I have to ask God for forgiveness. And when you ask, you have to ask with the sincerity of heart. It's not just words. It's not just quoting something. God, forgive me. You know my heart. Now, that's the thing right there. I'm glad you said that. He does know your heart. And he knows if you're sincere or not. That's why you had better be sincere. Because I don't care what you show people on the outside. God knows what's going on the inside. He knows if you're sincere or not. People, it might look sincere to people, but God said, your heart is all the way off of that. And people might think something of you, but I don't. Uh, but, but the main thing is, you have not asked God for forgiveness. Just a person. God knows whether you are sincere or not. And when I say we forget the basic tenets of Christianity, I mean that we're quick, quick. To ask a person to forgive him, and but very slow at asking God. So immediately we try to get right with a person that we think we may have hurt or offended or we've squabbled about or whatever, and we immediately okay, well I'm gonna I'm gonna call him and I might just ask for forgiveness. And certainly there's a place for that. Now, now, don't get me wrong. There is a place, because I don't want you to think, oh, she's saying you, you don't really have to, have to ask for forgiveness. No, no, no. It's a place for that. But that's after you've gone to God. Because so I, I don't want you to think that you, you shouldn't go to the person. But no, God is first. Everybody say God is first. Always. But David got on his face before God. And by the way, when David did this, David knew God. When he got the woman pregnant in his castle, uh, and then and let me tell you, David was ruthless in that thing. Because if you read the story about it, uh, not only did David kill her husband, 
Well, well, he had to kill him, but before he killed him, he didn't really want to kill him. He knew she was pregnant by David brought him home from the battle. The king can do that. And, and told him you know, what he wanted him to do was go in and nag you home from the battle and go and sleep with your wife. And then she's going to be pregnant and it'll be, it'll, you know, they'll just think it's your child. But I'm telling you, her husband was some kind of awesome. He knew God too. He came home and slept outside the front door and wouldn't go in. He said, how can I go in and be with my wife and all of my brethren out there on the field? I won't do it. I'm going to sit here and I'm going to pray for them while they're out there on the field. I will not. David said, what the devil? Oh, my God. This man got integrity. So David said, well, i got to think of something else. What can I do? What can I do? Because this thing, you know, I'm the king and, you know. David said, this is what you do. He brings the captain in over the, uh, over the army. He said, now you get him and you put him in the hottest part of the battle. You put him on the front line. Where he'll get killed. Of course you're going to obey the king. See, we don't understand. We don't understand a monarch. You don't, you don't understand kingship. You know, we think we can say anything and do anything, but you can't with a king. When a king tells you to do something, you do it. All y'all tell me, my man, that's my king. Okay. <laughs> Kings in the Bible, you obeyed everything. You, <laughs> the man tell me, yes, I'm your king. <laughs> Uh, we don't know that in the United States. And they did just that. And her husband was killed. But Nathan came and charged him up. This is what he's praying about. I was wrong. I was wrong. But I, this is what I loved about David. Did you notice anywhere in that scripture that we just read... He never blamed Bathsheba for anything. He never said anything like, well, she should have known. Why she come on up in this castle with me? She loved, she loved her husband so much, she should have stayed down there. Well, first of all, you can't say no to the king anyway. But, you know, he never brought her up. He said, it was my sin only. My sin only. He never blamed anybody. If you're still blaming people about the trouble that you're in... You have not forgiven. It is what it is. Whatever you've done, you sinned against God and God alone. That's why God could say, He's a man after my own heart. He never brought anybody. Never. No, David said, No, God, this is about me. And he asked God to forgive him. <laughs> So sometimes we still deal with guilt and shame and embarrassment and all those things because we haven't done the most basic part of Christianity, basic part of our faith, which is just to ask God forgive you. Because when God forgives you, just go to God and say, God, I blew it. I blew this thing. God, Listen, God already know you blew it. He's waiting for you to acknowledge it. God said, when are you going to acknowledge that you're wrong in all of this? When are you going to acknowledge I missed the mark? That was not your will for me. 
That was not what you intended for me to do. This was not how you told me to handle this situation. I was doing my own thing. And now I'm repenting. I'm repenting. Because we can do things and put God's name on it. God, I'm asking you to forgive me. And church, there are times when you miss God, you're trying to do what you think God wants you to do. (laughs) And you'll look back and say, God, that was not what you wanted me to do. I thought that was what you wanted me to do. And it was not what you wanted me to do. But nevertheless, I have now missed you. See, it's not like I thought that's what I was hearing for God and God's going to say, well, there, there. No, no, no. You get the consequences for every choice that you made. Every choice that you made, you still got to pay the consequences for. Nothing magic. So, the first thing that I do when I miss God, I must ask for forgiveness. And I got to push. And that's why we looked at 1 John. For he is faithful and just to forgive us. That's a wonderful thing. We shouldn't ever forget that. That God is faithful and just to forgive us and cleanse us. And that way you'll never be frustrated with God or frustrated with your situation. You don't want to wake, you don't want to wake up uh, the next day saying, oh Lord, I did it again. No. I went to God. And that's not what the scriptures are saying here. You know, I woke up and did it again. Mm-mm. You look and read about David all through the scriptures. After this, there was never, ever, ever another Bathsheba. Never. That was one of the reasons that God said, you are a man after my own heart. That was nothing, nothing he continued. And David, listen, and David missed God multiple times. But whenever he missed God, he went to him, you know, and he got forgiveness. And never, ever did he do that thing twice. Go and read about David's life. And the different falls that he had. And how he never did it twice, though. Now, it tells you all over the scripture where Israel kept doing the same thing over and over again. They came back to it. And they came back to it. God delivered them. And they came back to sin. And they came back to this every time. But not with David. Once he was clear, he went clear. Just just acknowledge. Just acknowledge that's my sin. Acknowledge what you've done. Because guess what? The Holy Spirit was there when whatever you've done, he, the Holy Spirit was right there. He saw everything. It's not like God is on vacation. God put a babysitter on the inside of you. That sees everything that you do. Whether it be in thought, word, or deed. Whether it's something you did or something you failed not to do. But God wants you to acknowledge your sin. Again, David acknowledged his sin. And when I say acknowledge his sin, he didn't go in no booth behind no deal and pull a curtain and talk to him. He didn't do any of that. He didn't count in rubber beads. 
He wasn't talking to Mary and nobody else. He talked specifically to God. He didn't even stand up in the congregation and testify. You know, the testifying service. So we have to acknowledge our sin before God. We ask for forgiveness. We acknowledge our sin. God, this is what I've done. Stop trying to act like you're so perfect. You're not. That in itself is a lie. So you're in sin. Go to your heavenly father. He'll get it right for you. This is what's one thing you have to understand. Write it down. There is a perfect God, and He's working with the imperfect you. And you put an imperfect me. I messed up, but that, and I understand that this is a perfect God working with an imperfect me. Now think about that. A divine, holy, righteous God is trying to work with an undivine, imperfect person. He knows that. God's not trying to work with you like you like him because he knows you're not. When a perfect God is trying to work with an imperfect person, listen, there's going to be some error because he's dealing with your will. There is no way for me to never have an error between me and God. Why? Because he's perfect and I'm imperfect. So there will be error. But that's why God have you sitting in the church so that when you make an error, God will put someone up there like me and he'll just minister it to you to get it right. Always. He's never going to let you just think you're in the right. But he's perfect. I'm imperfect. See, I'm seeing through a glass darkly. We're all seeing through a glass darkly. And he sees things clearly. Yesterday, today, and forever. God sees clearly your future next month. You don't know what's going to happen tomorrow, tonight. Listen, see, I'm striving to be holy. He is holy. See, the difference between perfect and imperfect. I'm striving to love, but he is love. I'm striving every day to be righteous, but he's righteous. See, I'm striving to be righteous when somebody cut me off. God would just, we'd be talking, what the, what an idiot. Oh, God. You're striving to be righteous. And I'm striving to walk in the light. And He is the light. Perfect and imperfection. So, when you miss God, don't, don't get into, well, I didn't mean it. That wasn't, and see, that wasn't my intention. It doesn't matter. I was trying to, actually, I was trying to do the right thing. Listen, stop trying to make yourself look good and just ask God to forgive you. Because you're wrong. 
Stop trying to make yourself look good. Nope, you're wrong. God, forgive me. Just acknowledge your sin. God, I was all wrong. God knows your heart. He knows if your heart intended it for evil, and he knows if your heart did not. So you don't have to prove it to nobody, and you don't have to say it out loud. You know, when I'm wrong about something or whatever, I never have to say it out loud, and I don't try to convince nobody to know that I tried to do something. You know, I try to leave me out of everything. A person that's always trying to make themselves look a certain way and stuff, let me tell you, you're not that way. I know it, and God knows it. I don't want nobody to see, try to see how holy I am. When I go around, I have four sisters and a brother. When we all fellowship together, I don't sit up like I'm the minister in the family. I mean, all of my brothers and sisters, they saved. So I don't try to, as a matter of fact, they start talking about God, I say very little. I let them talk. I don't have to show nobody what I know. Your lifestyle speaks for itself. If you got to try to convince them what you know, your lifestyle is not speaking. I wait until they ask me. And guess what? My answers are short and to the point. You know why? Because I'm not getting in an argument. And, and, and most of all, because I know where everybody is. And everybody, like the minister said tomorrow, everybody's on different levels. And it don't mean that you don't know God, because you're not on my level. It don't mean that I don't know God, because I'm not on your level. And when they say something that's unscriptural, I don't step in and say, now that's unscriptural. Let me tell you what it really says. You don't have to do that. I just listen to them and let them talk. And then when we are just fellowshipping or whatever, and it might not even be in that conversation, it's later on. God will give you an opportunity where you're not even talking about it. This is how you prevent arguments. And then I'll just say something pertaining to that, not what they said, just pertaining to whatever they were talking about, like it was just nothing. And I'll just slip that truth right in there. And that's all I need to do. God does the rest. We're working together with Him. Don't try to make Him understand it. That's not your job. Let me put you on letter C. I accept responsibilities for my actions. You have to accept accept responsibilities for your actions. In other words, Father, whatever it costs, whatever the penalty is, I accept responsibilities. So watch this. To press toward the mark, I have to repent. To press toward the mark, I must get back in right standing with God. You have to get back in right standing with God. Go with me right quick. Last scripture, Romans chapter 6. I have to get back in right standing with God. I get right back. I got to, have, I got to be standing right with God. Because if I die, I want to be standing right with God. Now, when I say you have to get back in right standing with God, some people are there, and then other people just mean I just have to get right with God altogether. Some have to get back in right standing, some just got to get, got to just stand with God, never been there. Some have been there and fallen, but I got to get back where I need to be, depending on where you are. 
Now, if you've never been in right standing with God, you might want to say, I have to get, it. I got to get in right standing with God because I've never been in it. I've never been in right standing. If you have and you've fallen, say, I got to get back. I got to get back there. Amen. And this is how righteousness, this is how you do that. When I press toward the mark, connecting knowledge this morning, letter A, I must purge my life. This is how you get back. David said in his prayer of repentance in Psalms 51, David said, purge me. Whenever I miss God, I have to take a deep look in my heart and thank God we have the Holy Spirit to help us. I've got to take a deep look in my heart. And I'm not talking about that muscle beeping, beating in your body. So I have to identify what's in my heart that needs purging. Because whenever I miss God, even if my intent was not to miss Him, there's something in my heart that probably needs to go. When you miss God, it's something in your heart that needs to go. Even if you think, I didn't, I didn't intend that, but it's still something in your heart that needs to go. So i got to purge when whatever it is in my heart that needs to go. You know, you have to look at your hands. You have to look at the things in your lifestyle. You have to say, you know, there are some things in my lifestyle that's in the way. That I'm going about daily, every day, that has caused me to miss God. What is this? It's something in my life. And if so, I have to purge those things. Because i got to be right. I don't want to miss God anymore. Remember God said I'm faithful and just to forgive you and cleanse you from all unrighteousness. God said give me a chance to. But the Bible also tells us not to frustrate the grace of God. Don't allow him to want to give you all of this and give you all this and you just, you know, you're just going to stay in that lifestyle. So I got to take a hard look at my lifestyle. Everybody in here, we got to take a hard look at our lifestyle. And you know, sometimes it's not always, it's not always, you know, um, just things that we're doing. Sometimes it's things that we're omitting from our life. It's things that we're not doing in our lives. It's not all the time just things that we're doing. Sometimes it's things that I'm not doing. I'm just omitting from my life. You have to step back. And you say, have my prayer life slipped? It might be there. Do I pray like I should? Maybe with some omission, do I ever have quiet time? Remember I told you, pull up in the parking lot, Walmart. Don't get out and go shopping. Just spend time alone. Do I ever get quiet time with God? Maybe that's omitting from your life. And has caused you to miss God. I don't have no quiet time. Listen, we've been in the pandemic for almost two years. Well, actually over two years. Maybe I slipped. Maybe I slipped on taking notes, even when I was streaming. Because I used to always have my notes on Sundays and Wednesdays. Maybe I slipped. Maybe I've gotten a little lax. The pandemic has made a lot of people lax. 
and even going to church. Maybe I've, I've found it, you know, I've gotten lax from just even applying the word like I used to. Maybe I've just let some things slide that I did that I used to didn't let slide. You need to go back and see and look and see if some of the things in your lifestyle what needs to be purged, taken out. You have to look at your associations. People don't want to do that. Or there are some people I have to let you know and, and you you know what? You don't let just anybody counsel you. Have you let people counsel you that should not be counseling you? <laughs> and I keep telling you, don't let nobody counsel you that's, on, that's right at your age. They don't have the counsel. I'm going to tell you they don't. It's very rare, very rare. And you take counsel... From people that you shouldn't take counsel from. Have you let them influence you when they shouldn't be influencing your life? See, you don't let just anybody influence your life. You let them talk to you that shouldn't be in your ear. So maybe you need to go and reevaluate the people that are in your life. And you don't have to necessarily throw them out of your life in as much as you have to put them in a certain position in your life. Position them. Say, I don't let anybody counsel me. Don't mean I don't love them. Don't mean I don't have nothing to do with it. You just don't have no counsel for me. (laughs) I know you don't have any counsel for me. So now you're in a certain position in my life. See, sometimes people think that you're disking them or you don't, you know, you don't want to be bothered. No, you're in another position in my life. You know why? Because I can't afford you in my life like that. Not in that position. Don't mean I don't love you. Don't mean that we can't see each other and talk about it. But positionally, no ma'am, no sir. I'm walking this thing out. And I'm not letting anybody interfere with it. All I need to know is how much bondage and foolishness you're in. And I'm going to still love you, and I'm going to still talk to you, but you're in a different position in my life. See, that's, I'm talking about people that are serious about the things of God. See, we think, we think just let anybody in your life. they family. <laughs> well, you know what? The enemy going to always get you right there. The enemy's going to always get you right there. Because did I say that you put them out your life, don't have nothing to do? I did not say that. Reposition them in your life. This is as far as you're going in my life. Right here in this, this area. You can't come that, no, 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 no. Because guess what? When you die, none of them going to be around. And God's going to say, why didn't you reposition them so you could have done better? Again, it's not a matter of throwing someone out of your life. Sometimes it's just rearranging how important they are to you. And how important their opinion may be. Opinion is like a nose. Everybody have one and I don't need yours. And I don't try to give people my opinion. Now, my children, 
maybe. But personally, if I'm going to talk to you on any counseling level or talk to you anyway, I'm not going to give you my opinion. I'm going to give you, thus said the Lord. That's what's wrong with people. They want opinions. I don't need your opinion. And I don't care what you think about me one way or the other. I, I wish I would spend my time worried about what you think of me. If I thought about what you thought of me, I wouldn't be standing here. You got to purge your life. Let her be. You have to press toward the mark. If you're going to press, you have to draw near to God. Honestly, church, drawing near to God is contrary to our human inclination. Our human inclination is to run. You're not trying to run to God. Uh, just, just on a personal level and just, just human being, we don't try to run from God. We run from Him. Our human inclination is to run from good. We run from good. Now we know how our country is, but but even even with with little children or or you, why when they see a police car they be like ooh ooh there's a police car you be like well what's what's wrong did you did you do something no why it's the inclination I said you know police are good. Wrong people. I mean, really, listen, why do you get nervous when the police drive behind you? Why, if you're on a highway, you can always tell when all the cars slow down? Why is everybody scared of that? Everybody's like, oh, just drive you. And then everybody's going below the speed limit. Just go. You can't even go the speed limit? And, you know, I I just know it because if I was a cop, I would be in the car laughing. Saying, okay, let me just slow down and see if all of them, all of them say, yeah, y'all, you know. Draw near to God. You don't have to be fearful of nothing. You've done nothing. And then you start thinking, do I have a ticket? Do I have a ticket? Do I have a ticket I haven't paid? You need to pay your tickets too. Just a side thought. You can pay me for that later. So you won't be so nervous when the police drive behind you. And then, you know, when you pass by and then you keep looking in the back of the mirror like, is he coming? Is he coming? Look and see, is he coming? What the? What you nervous about? It was, it was Adam's inclination, remember, to hide. Some of you, when you were on your way to college, one of the things that, and, and you know, after you graduated college, one of the things that made, especially those that are that went away to college, one of the things that made you nervous about coming home is that you had to go to church now every Sunday. Like, oh, who back to church every Sunday? Because you know, you go off to college, you know, everybody feel like they're going to church. You ain't, you're not. But they they doing it there on campus. Uh, I know. And you get nervous. Oh, do I have to go to church every week? I don't want to go back to church. Oh, if I move back there, they got to go to church. And let me tell you, and if I move in their house, they're going to make me go to church. Every parent the child lives with them ought to demand that. I wish you would sit up in my house and not go to church. Get your tail out of here and you can do whatever you want to, but you ain't sitting up. I wish I would come home and you laid up. Oh, almost got No. No. And no. On every level. 
Did everybody in this house go to church? Hmm. I know it's not comfortable sitting around light. But you ain't going to sit at home in darkness and bring in darkness there. I'm not going to be able to do it. And you're not going to dim my light. See, nobody, now see, again, no, everybody's good with me until I start talking about children and money. Maybe them, mm, hmm, hmm, hmm. She better, hmm, hmm. Hmm, Children and money. You want to get people cross with you? Children and money. People can love the Lord. You get on them about their children, their whole countenance change. I watch for that too. I watch to see people's countenance change when you talk about their children. Let me tell you, my countenance don't change if you talk about mine. Them two grown rusty men over there, let me tell you. They tell, did you say rusty? Yes. They grown. And whatever you see, I expect you to minister to them right then and there. But people get upset when you talk about their children. God said, well, I talk about them all day long. And God said, I talk about you all day and you're a child. Don't want to, you know, and, and, and let me tell you, they don't want to go to church because they're struggling. Believe me. If you believe, listen, if you believe God has called me, believe what I just said. If they don't want to go to church, they're struggling in an area. And they were going to church, they are struggling. I don't care what comes out of their mouth. I'm telling you what God is saying. They are struggling. When they don't want to go, I don't even care if they're little children. They try to play sick and they don't want to, don't, don't want to go to children's church. They don't want to do whatever. They're struggling in an area. You need to find out where that area is before it pop up on you. Suddenly. And this is what they, people really say. And see, since the pandemic, it's really prevalent. All the people from this church haven't came back since the pandemic. The pandemic, the small people, they're like, no. Well, I, you know, and then they say, you know what, I, well, I'm just going to stay a little while longer, you know, get myself together before I go back. I got to get myself together. Now, that's the biggest lie out. How are you going to get yourself together? You can't. That is the inclination of to keep hiding. God wants us to draw nigh to Him. Oftentimes, because we have sinned or we are in sin, you can't even pray. Why? Because you're embarrassed about what you've done. Let us see. I have to go back to the original instructions. You've got to go back to what God told you from the beginning. There's nothing new. Simply put, I have to obey God. Because why? God's instructions have not changed. From the time you miss God, until whenever you decided to get right with God, His plan, His purpose, and His instructions have not changed. Now, you may have to do some additional work because you've been out of the will of God. You have to clean up some things that you've done. But let me tell you, God's original instruction does not change. 
When I miss God, it does not change. It's, again, it's just like the GPS system. It does not change. It recalculates you, and God will recalculate you. Listen, He'll recalculate the route from, from, from the, the route of A to the route of C, but you're still going to get to the same destination. And that's what the GPS does. It'll reroute you, but notice it's still going to take you to the same destination. You're just going to either go a longer way, or you're going another And God does the same thing. When you miss Him, He just recalculates to get you back on the original course. And then to move forward, you must be a servant of righteousness. And that when you become a servant of righteousness, it helps you. It helps you. It helps you to resist the adversary. You have an adversary. It helps you to press closer toward the mark. And I don't care what you've been into and what you've done. You need to put your hands to the work. You know what? If I had sat down everybody that have missed God, we wouldn't have church. We couldn't have church. And sometimes putting your hand to the, to the work helps you get where you need to be. Sometimes. It's according to the individual. But you did still need to get back in and put your hand to the work. That helps you when you've missed God. I'm out of time, but I'm not out of notes. But I'm going to let you keep you right there. I'm going to keep you right there. Because I don't want you regurgitating this. I want you to swallow it. Because we still need to do Romans 6. We still need to do Second Samuel. Matter of fact, I need you to read Second Samuel 12 for homework. Lots of homework around here. You need to read Second Samuel. I'm not going to read it because I've ran out of time, but you need to read it so when I come back with it, you'll be prepared. We're talking about what God is doing in your life when you missed Him. Everyone, everybody has missed Him. Don't feel like you're standing alone. You're not. But I'm telling you, go to Him and take, uh, let me tell you, get that Psalms 51 and you take it with you. I don't care if you have to repeat everything they said until you own it. I kept reading that and reading that and reading that. You have to own that thing. You have to feel what David was feeling. You have to say, this is real. This man, that's why God could say, this man was pouring out of his heart. Now, was everything all good for David after that? David had a lot of situations that was in his life for that wrong. But he was forgiven and cleansed. Even as an older man, they would bring young women in there for David to sleep with, not to actually sleep. You know, in our culture, sleep with means having sex with. But no, that, that was just, because you know how when you get old, you get cold? They would bring young girls in there just to cuddle with him, just to keep him warm. He never, he never did anything with them. He just needed to be kept warm. He understood some things. But you don't have to wait that long to understand some things. 
And see, you'll learn this about, uh, about David. For those of you that don't know, I'm just going to say this. Let me tell you, the, day when he, the one that uh, Bathsheba that got pregnant with him, that baby died. One of the things that happened and the consequences for David's choice, he never had a relationship with that child because he died. But with, with repentance, he had another son. One he could have a relationship with. And his name was Solomon. So see, repentance still gets you the reward. The first one he said, he won't come to me, I'll go to him. And I understand that. David cried and mourned the whole time the child was sick and just wouldn't, wouldn't see nobody, wouldn't do anything. And when the baby died. He dried his eyes. He went and cleaned himself up. And he started dancing, a dance to the Lord. And see, some people won't understand that about it. They didn't understand it about David. They said, David, why? Now that he's, he's died, now you should be mourning. He said, oh no. Because I trust God. He won't come to me. I will go to him. So now let's push through. Many other things came in David's life because of that one sin. So like I said, God will forgive you, but a lot of consequences will just be there. But you have to deal with them, You'll have to, and you, are, you have to see them. Consequences for your choices. Some choices you made will last a lifetime. Some choices that you made that you'll have to see your children live through. Some choices that you make, your children will make the same. And you have to learn how to forgive. See, you, by the time they make those, those mistakes, you'll be older and wiser, and you want them to be where you are, and they're not. But you can't hold it against them. Why? Because we're pressing toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God which is in Christ Jesus. Stand to your feet. This has been a teaching message from Church of the Living Water at Austin. For more information about our ministry, please go to our website at livingwateraustin.org.